Hello, everybody. You have a pose in a matrix here. Um, we ran into some technical difficulties. Uh, first of all, it's the uh, 12th of October, 2020, um, and we're getting a late start at 6.51 p.m. And, uh, yeah, for some reason, all the settings that I had uh, set up on Spreaker are not working. And, uh, well, boy, what did I do to have a Mac again? Um, but anyway, uh, so tonight, uh, pardon me for being discombobulated because I've just spent uh, 25 minutes trying to fix this. But um, anyway, um, in, in this politically charged, um, insanely crazy presidential race that we're having these days, um, there's a tendency for, for a lot of us, um, myself included, to kind of get caught up in it. And, um, with that having been said, I, um, you know, so you're, you're buffeted by the news, you're buffeted by the, your coworkers, uh, some friends that might uh, lean to the other side, uh, and you're buffeted by just about everything, um, telling you that you're wrong. It, it, well, if you're a Trump supporter, that you're wrong. Um, the polls are all skewed to, to the left and um uh interestingly enough in uh, 2016 the same thing happened and uh and we we got uh, Trump anyway but um which is a good thing I don't want to make that sound like a bad thing it's about the best thing that's ever happened in this country um but anyway um so uh you know you could you could kind of get almost like an anxiety attack or very anxious um wondering what's going to happen and falling into the speculation game without realizing that God's got everything under control. Um, so, uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to, we're going to talk about that and, and other things, you know, because it seems like, um, it, this show is, uh, we, we, um, I'm reminded of Alice in Wonderland. A lot of times we, uh, we often go down one uh, hole and then there's like three rabbit holes and we fall down another one. Always ending up extricating ourselves back to the original one. But uh, we do go off on our little tangents every once in a while, so I don't expect that to ever change. But um, uh, we, we do have a little bit of a change, uh, folks, in that um, uh, Jim has um, and it, or is going to be going off into his own uh, radio show. It's something he's wanted to do for some time. And, uh, he's going to get the opportunity to do it. Plus, he's going to have a Sunday, um, uh, meeting on, um, Zoom, I do believe, where he's going to actually have a church service. So I would encourage all of you to go to that. I think that, uh, that would be very interesting. So you can get a con in contact with Jim and ask him about that. But, um, you know, as a little precursor to what we're going to go into tonight, um, or maybe a little bit off subject, uh, Right away when it always happens, trust me, it always happens right away when, when, um, two people decide to, to go in different directions, right away, everybody thinks, oh, there was a fight. Oh, they didn't get along. Oh, this, oh, that, you know, and, you know, first of all, that's poppycock. Okay. Um, nobody believes the same as everybody else. And if we all did, boy, what a boring world that would be. Um, but, uh, 
you know, sometimes people tend to go off in their own direction or in a way that the Lord's leading them. And then it might be a little different way than what we've got here. So um, anyway, we, uh, we're having a parting of the ways, but just in the radio realm. Okay. Um, I still love Jim like a brother I never had. And he's expressed his love for me on the air several times. Um, you know, that uh, I've always stood by him and stuff like that. And I will continue to do so. So um, anyway, uh, there are those like uh, <laughs> uh, the albino toad out there that would uh, think that, oh, yeah, they, they finally had that big fight or something. And, you know, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, Jim's welcome to come on on this show anytime he wants to to. Uh, if he's got something brand new, a new revelation, or, or or something else that the Lord showed him, actually is probably a better way to say that. Um, but uh, no, nothing bad has happened, okay? And I would I would urge you to um, to contact him and find out when he's going to be uh, going on the air. I, I from the way he's talking, it's going to be very soon. So um, anyway. Uh, that haven't been said tonight. We have uh, Brian here and uh, and Eric. Hi guys. Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, I'm do- hi. I'm- hey, hi ho. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> hi ho. <laughs> yeah, it's off to work we go. Um, so anyway, guys, um, it's it's to the point of ludicrousy with uh, what's going on. I mean, uh, you know, if if Trump I'm surprised that we don't have a report every morning of what color underwear Trump was wearing, you know, um, <laughs> the, the way that the press is, you know, and they, they, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but the the House is actually going to um, hold some kind of meeting on Nancy Pelosi because she supposedly wanted to uh, invoke the 25th Amendment on Trump. And um, a lot of people think that she's setting it up for uh, for the Democrats, you know, if they. Uh, if, if one of the quadrilling um, uh, chance of anything happening, them getting into office, um, you know, I guess they could invoke that on on Biden too, because if anybody should have it invoked on it, it's him. But um, anyway, uh, so they're going to bring her up and uh, discuss her, and basically they're talking about removing her from the speakership of the House. So, hallelujah. Yeah, amen. Wow. And hallelujah. So I just awesome. read that not too long ago, actually tonight. So, so there'd have to be Democrats to vote along with that to do that. Oh right? yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I think they've seen that, uh, you know, the, the scales have tipped too far to one side, and and they have to do something because she seems like a crazy lady maniac up there when she's talking, and uh, I don't know if it's the Jim Beam or the Jack Daniels talking or or the the right. Botox. Botox has uh, put holes in her brain or something, but uh, it's got to be it's got to be age to some degree. Um, oh yeah, but yet she, I don't know, I don't know how she's ever continued to win elections, but she's been in there a long time. What did they yeah. say? Forty years, forty-four years or something? I think is the the current uh, count. <laughs> so. I think it was the seventies, the earlier mid seventies. Wow! Sure. Wow! I was graduating high school when she got her job in Congress. I didn't even exist. Yeah, I know you were glint, you're barren size. Yep. Uh, 
Wow, that's amazing. But um, so, guys, I don't know how you feel, but uh, you know, I, I, I for one, hey, if you go onto YouTube and you watch and just about any video, uh, you're gonna get a commercial that comes up either from uh, Chuck Schumer or Diane Feinstein or or one of them saying, "Hey, the time is getting close. We need you to donate right now." You know, and I'm like, why don't they have that coming up for the Republicans? And then it hits me, duh. You know, uh, YouTube is a vastly uh, leftist organization. And uh, so that's why they wouldn't have that on there. But uh, my goodness, it's it's everywhere, everywhere you look, you know, and people are getting mad at other people now. You know, it's, um, they had a Trump sign that was off the freeway on Highway 5 coming down from uh, Salem. I saw the other day when I was coming back from work and. Uh, somebody had painted it all black. It was a Trump sign. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so somebody actually had to get off the freeway, <laughs> you know, pull off the side and get spray cans out and, and do this. And hopefully they were smart enough to do it at three in the morning or or maybe they got arrested doing it. That would be even better. But um, so um, how are you guys dealing with, with all this? And. You know, aside from scripture and stuff, and which we're going to go into here, but uh, you know, are you frustrated? Are you mad? Are you angry? Are you uh, just taking it in stride? Um, I'm just curious because I need to know how to handle it myself. Well, I I personally uh, choose not to watch the mainstream media. I would encourage anybody. Uh, also to follow suit. I mean, if you watch them, um, you would think there is no hope, um, and yeah. it would get you all tied up in knots. Um, you know, and, and this is obviously something I've always mentioned. I, you know, even Mark Taylor has mentioned um, is to turn off the mainstream media and seek out alternative news sources and stop paying attention to this stuff. Because it's um, it's like turning it's like tuning into Satan's frequency, I guess, as he would put it. Um, yeah. You tune into that, and then it, it gets you all worked up, and you're riled up, and you're upset, and things look hopeless. But I'm telling you, they're not. What's being projected through the media is actually not the truth of what's actually going on. Even with all these uh, crazy polls that show Biden up by 10, 15 points. It's all a lie. Yeah. And and I think part of it is I think they already know that that is the case, but they want to project that with the idea that when this election comes and he wins, Trump wins, uh, they're going to say that he cheated. I know they are. Right. right. But Biden yeah, was no. never winning to begin with. That's the whole point. Um, but if you listen to the media and you believe the media – you're going to be quite upset on election day because it's going to be quite the opposite direction. Um, you know, just for example, you know, the support in Florida um, amongst Cubans is at like an all-time high. Right. Um, but uh, I think Trump got like 36% of them in um, 2016, and while he's polling 50% with them now. So, but yeah, it shows Biden winning Florida by 10 points. You know, this is kind of the nonsense I'm starting to see. So, wow. 
What about you, Brian? Um, well, before I get into that, I looked up Nancy Pelosi. She got voted in in 1978. Oh, okay. So, so I was out of high school a year then. Yeah, yeah I was born in 79. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, 42 <laughs> years is long enough, I think, to serve in the in, in the Congress. So, but um, yeah, I how do I handle it? I drink a lot of coffee, <laughs> and um, I just take one day at a time. It, it does get to me sometimes. I get, uh, I don't, I'm like you, Eric. I, I don't watch the, the lamestream media anymore. I used to watch the local news in the morning to get the traffic updates and the weather, but it's so bad, so pro COVID and we're going to die of this virus. And then it's all about against Trump. It's just, it's just crazy down here. And then I'm not sure they showed it on the news where you guys are, but down here, um, I can't remember which freeway. You can look it up on YouTube or online. A private owner of private land along a major freeway down here. It might be the 405, but I'm not sure. He owns some private land along one of our major freeways. The owner did on the hillside. And he put up a huge pro-Trump sign the size of the Hollywood sign. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Well... The, the county came in a few hours later on his private property and tore it down. The county did? The county or the state. They came in, said, you can't have this. I don't know what reason they gave, and they tore it down within a few hours. And they said it was a distraction to motorists, and it was a hazard and dangerous. But huh. up and down that freeway, I've been on that freeway. I wish I could remember the name. There are billboards of every kind all along that freeway. So it's, yeah, and I, I was shocked they did it because it was private. They went onto his private property without permission and tore it down. Well, you don't have any rights in California, so. No. You don't. And, you know, you're right, Eric. So you're totally right. It's just, you know, as a believer, you know how things are going to end in the very, very end. But until we get there, it's kind of frustrating and sad to watch. But. I'm like you, Erica. I think the polls are wrong. I think they're 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 polling more Democrats than Republicans on purpose. Well, if I could I, just interject on something on that, yeah, I yeah. think what, what they're doing is actually I've been studying this a little bit. Why the polls are showing like they are, and what um, they're doing is they're um, there are a few where they're oversampling Democrats by a little too much, but what they're doing is they're actually not they're undersampling independent voters by a very drastic margin like they're not supposed to um like they're only you know including maybe five or ten percent when it sh that number should be actually uh you know 25 30 percent of that that polling data so that's why yeah. you're that's one of the reasons why you're getting um such skewed polling results i mean they're they're all doing it because like i said they're this is propaganda and they have to do everything that they can to sway public opinion not to get this man back in office because a lot of heads are going to roll after this election. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, you're not kidding. Hey, Brian, yeah. I heard I heard a rumor, and I'm, I need you to confirm it. Um, there's actually a rumor going around down in California now. If you go out to a restaurant, I, I didn't even know you guys were allowed to do that, but 
Um, if you go out to a restaurant that you you have to wear your mask even at the table, that you take a bite of your food and then as soon as it's in your mouth, you have to cover up again. Have you heard that? Yeah, some of the cities in L.A. County are doing that. Not where I live, but there are some of the cities that is exactly what you said. You have to pull your mask down to eat and then pull it up and you're done showing. Unreal. And my goodness. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what cities, but some of them are doing that. And some of the cities are ticketing you for not wearing a mask, even on the beach. I think I mentioned that last week. You have to be in the water to have not have a mask on. You can't lay on the beach. Where I live, the the our area, there's five or six beaches for about 10 miles. And we're on the southern end of the beaches. There's like four or five. There's Torrance Beach, Redondo Beach, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach and so on, and we're at the southern end of all these beaches, and we're fine down here, but Hermosa Beach is two miles up, and if you're not in the water, you get a 50 or or $100 ticket for not wearing a mask on the beach. So it's just, it's just, you know what it is? It's control. They're controlling us, and they know that they know they are, and they're getting away. You know whose fault it is? It's it's the American people's fault. It's our it's our our own fault because we're not pushing back enough, and um, and that's why they did it. I think to see if they could get away with it, and they are because there's a few people and few churches pushing back, but not very many. But constitutionally, it's against the law, and they know it. But nobody's right. push, nobody's pushing back. So it's man, that's what's man. See, that's what's frustrating to me is like the churches aren't pushing back. The citizens aren't pushing back. They're just going along with it. And uh, yeah, well, that's the whole 501c c3 thing. I, you know, I've yeah. spoken with many many times. Um, I, I, they, they want to comply uh, for their own um, thinking that that's going to self, you know, preservation. You know what I mean? But yeah. the reality is, is it's really a systematic test to see um, how conquerable are, is the majority of the people um, in terms of putting up with this stuff. Um, because the reality of what was that if had Hillary had won, this whole COVID thing was already planned, uh-huh, and they were right. going to lock everything down, and then they were going to start, you know. They'll come into your house and you test positive. They would haul you away. They haul you off to some, you know, um, happy camp. Happy camp, and that's yeah. how the that's how the exterminations would start. And that's exactly right. what they had planned on doing. Um, now they still had to somehow still move forward with this plan uh, to the best of their ability. You know, because Trump was not supposed to be the factor in this. Um, but had he not been in office, you know. It would be much worse than what we're seeing right now. You know, I, I had I had people get upset with me. I I, I talked at church. I said, "You guys are are not supposed to be subjugated to the state. You were supposed to be able to function autonomously and make your own decisions. You know, we serve right. God. We don't serve the state. Uh, and you know, they're they're running around just uh, just scared out of their mind, just wanting to you know bend over for the CDC and." No one's thinking straight on the stuff. They're just not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that's a, I, 
you brought up a good point about the churches, and I think a lot of it's fear. Like you said, they're afraid of losing their tax exemption. And I'm and I'm thinking to myself while you're speaking, so they're more afraid of losing their tax exemption, having to pay money to the state for taxes, than they are of God. Well, it's and that's that's an interesting point. You know, the whole 501c3 yeah. thing is that churches are actually tax exempt, regardless if they're 501c3 or not. The difference right. that the 501c3 allows them is that when you, as an individual, donates money to the church, you, as the individual, gets a, gets a tax write-off on your taxes. That's right. what they're worried about because many, many churches, and you know, I'm not going to specifically point out, well, maybe I will, mine yeah. is made up of mm-hmm. a lot of you know high middle, middle class and wealthy people, which... It, everything is surrounded and, you know, everything is designed around catering to these these type of people. And right. if you disrupt that apple cart, well, those people would go away. But my argument's always been you can still donate to a church, but if you're doing it for the tax write-off for your mutual benefit, then you're not really giving for the right reasons to begin with. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's that's the rub. Now, you know, yeah. Sorry, Eric. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Actually, go ahead. No, this is a great conversation because you're you're st- my my second brain cell just kicked in. Um, <laughs> you guys can laugh, okay? Humor me. Um, that that is so right about the tax break because it reminds me of Ananias and Sapphira in the Book of Acts. Uh, they sold property that they had promised to give the prophet to the church. They promised the Holy Spirit. They promised God. And everyone knows the story. And what happened, they didn't. They lied. They both lied. And, uh, and they came and they say, here's, here, here's our prophet. They give it to the disciples, but they were lying about it. And they were more concerned about keeping a little bit of profit back than obeying God's word and keeping their word to the church. So it just reminded me of that because that's kind of what's going on a little bit with the Ananias and Sapphira kind of syndrome. If the churches don't have that tax exempt, the hundred thousand dollars I give to the church this year, I got to pay taxes on it. Yeah. So you would see that you would see a very different church system in place. That's I think yeah. that's the point I'm I'm making. And a lot of times, um, not that every person that has a lot of money that comes forward isn't necessarily a bad person. They certainly are not. But sometimes you, 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 that in giving that money, you exchange the money for power and influence over the decisions made in that church. And sometimes if it's anything like my own, I'm more than well aware of some of the bad business people, yeah. uh, that do, you know, immoral corrupt things in my community because I, I've witnessed it and I've been told so. But yet they maintain power control, you know, in the church because they give so much money. You know what I mean? So those are the type of people you don't want to control from a spiritual standpoint. So the people that, you know, should be in those positions and stuff like that, they're not allowed to be participating in that. But that's why I think however this is going to shake out, something's going to happen where... um. You know, Trump has echoed before that 
you know, he wants to get rid of the Johnson Amendment. That was basically the institution of the 501c3 for churches. You can donate to the church, get a tax write-off, but in turn, you cannot politically endorse, you know, political candidates or speak out against certain things um, within government. And we should have never taken that bribe because that's what it is. It was a bribe. Right. From back in the, yeah. you know, whenever the Johnson Amendment got assigned. I'm assuming that's probably what, 60s? Well, probably yeah. 1960s if it was Lyndon Johnson, yeah. Right, yes, that's who I'm thinking of. It's Lyndon Johnson. So he did not like the churches. So this is, the, the it was his, his way of throttling and basically tricking the churches into giving away their spiritual authority. And you could see from then on, we started losing everything. You know, we lost prayer in school, um, yeah. abortion, many, many other things. And churches just aren't combat effective anymore because we are, we are bound to that system. And I guess when we're bound to that system, we're yoked with the same other not or you know, charitable organizations, you know, like Planned Parenthood and even false religious systems like Islam or stuff like that. And because yeah. we're linked to that, um, there's uh there's a spiritual consequence um, for us in our effectiveness to uh, be influential and um, even to allow the spirit to really flow through, you know, whatever local community you're in or being effective in terms of, you know, uh, bringing more people, you know, to that harvest for the gospel. It has an effect right. on that. Because there's a lot of churches that are, they're doing all these things, these programs to try to get, you know, more people and more people in, and it's not effective. You know, sometimes it is, you know, depending on where you're at, but a lot of times mm-hmm. it's 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 very little gain. You're gaining very little. I mean, right. I think maybe you see that as well, maybe where you guys are at. But that I see that all the time around here, and I always wonder why that what you know why that was. What are we doing wrong? And it just I think it's because. The institutionalized church in America is now a business model. Right. It is. It's a business. Uh, it's run like a corporation. A lot of them. Um, in fact, even in mine, you know, you have your. We have deacons, uh, elders, but then we have the pastor, and aside, you know, in the organization structure, and then we have this admin board of three or four people that sit above the. Elders and deacons, and they make all the decisions. These are very wealthy and powerful uh, people within our church. You have a business. You have a corporate structured business now. That's what you have. Right. Yeah. Right. I believe it. I believe it. You know, it's um, uh, back a a long time ago. uh, I've seen a lot of churches uh, split because of building programs and stuff like that, and um. Sometimes, well, I hate to say this, but maybe it's true. Sometimes it's almost a curse when a church grows too fast, and because it's a taxing on on the on the pastor, you know, he's, he goes from doing one one um, one or two services a day to five or six, and then you know he's, he he gets tired, of course, and that would be natural. Then all of a sudden, well, we need a bigger building. You know, I saw this happen down in Vacaville, down in California. And, um, you know, now we need a new building. And then, um, pretty soon all the, 
all the sermons are are centered around giving, uh, tithing, uh, offerings, the whole nine yards. Uh, big thermometer up in front, you know. Uh, yeah, this is where we've reached this week, you know, in our building program. Taking out mortgages, which, you know, the Lord is definitely against, when, it, especially with churches, for goodness sakes. And then, and then, you know, so then the, uh, a lot of times the pastor gets a little power, then, uh, a lot of loose women are attracted to men with power. Uh, they overcome the pastor and ruin his life, ruin his family's life, the whole nine yards. But, um, it's, 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 um, it's the world creeping in is what it is. And, and it's not checked at the door. You know, there should be bouncers, spiritual bouncers at the door of every church. And uh, not just at the front doors, but at the back too. <laughs> um, firmly, I believe that there should be like two guys at the front door that are praying as people enter in and people at every, every door. I mean, you know, we always wait till there's some chaos that's going on at the church or, you know, maybe the church has a mob outside. So you, you know, you're placing people in all four corners of the church to pray, uh, you know, and then forming prayer chains around the church and everything. Whereas, you know, had you nipped the thing in the bud to begin with, it wouldn't be happening. Um, I've seen it time and time again. That's why when I see a church start a building program, I'm like, well, you know, I wonder how long it's going to be until, you know, the, the, uh, defecation hits the rotary oscillator so to speak in this um, in this situation you know I, i'm not going to say it happens every time but it does happen quite a bit hey guys you know i was looking you know while, while we were all talking and i found <laughs> i found uh where i was directed to i should say second peter 2 i don't know if you're familiar with it um it's almost like i've never read this scripture before but it describes what's going on. It describes uh, Portland to a T. Um, and if if, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to read it. It's, it goes from, I think, verse 7. Yeah. Uh, um, and at the beginning, it's talking about, you know, for if he spared not the angels that sinned and sent them down to hell and delivered them in the chains of darkness uh, to reserved, uh, reserved unto judgment um, and saved the old world, but and saved and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and eight people. Anyway, uh, I jumped down to verse seven and, and delivered just lot vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked. What are we around all day, right? Filthy conversation of the wicked. Okay. Even if you're at work, you know, <clears throat> I got a relative that works for the prison system down in California. Uh, as doing clerical work, and she's around all these women that, that that are potty mouths. I mean, they're terrible. Every other word is f this, f that, you know. And it's it's like it just bothers her, you know. And I, who can say that I blame? You know, who wouldn't blame her for being bothered by that? You know, it's um because because you can go in there with your best intentions to have a good day, and then you listen to that all day, and you know you feel like you. You uh, want to wash out your ears and your eyes and everything else. Anyway, it continues. For that righteous man dwelling among them in hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And that's why it's a good thing not to watch television. Um, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. 
but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the land of uncleanliness and despise government. Presumptuous they are, are they self-willed and not afraid to speak evil of dignity. Uh, dig, yeah, dignities, that's the word. Okay. Uh, whereas angels, uh, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. Um, but these are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, evil thing, speaking evil of things that are understood not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the uh, reward of, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they, as that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. <laughs> I'm thinking of Portland when I'm reading this. Um, uh, spots, uh, Yes, spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while uh, while they feast with you, okay? Having eyes full of adultery, cannot cease sin, beguiling and stable souls. Uh, and heart uh, they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, um, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray the ways of Baalam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with men's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Um, these are the wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Now, that might be speaking of fallen angels, but it also could be speaking of people that are their puppets. And that's what um, we, we're going to talk about in Ephesians, because... Uh, a lot of these people that are out there are really just puppets, even the ones that think that they're they're um, hot stuff. But um, uh, let's see, um, verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, uh, they allure through the lust of the flesh, uh, through much wantonness, those that are clean escaped and... Um, Escape from them who live in error. I'm sorry, folks. This is the uh, King James Version. Um, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption, for of whom, for of, of whom man a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Uh, and this is the the one that uh, got to me here. For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled therein and become and overcome the latter and is worse than that of the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to then for they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to its own vomit again, and the sow that was washed in her wallowing in, in the mire. Um, I think it's pretty interesting because it's it's not only talking about worldly people, but it's talking about those of us that, hence like we talked at the beginning, listen to the news and get discouraged. Um, but it's talking about also people that, um, believe what they hear um, and turn from what's right and, and uh, turn back to what's wrong. And Eric, you know, I think that kind of goes with what you were talking about with the uh, the 501c3 church 
is that and somebody mentioned that people just sit sit there and let it happen. I think that was you, Brian. Um, and that's that's the that's the thing that that that's the clincher right there. Because if you sit there and you let it happen, you're not an innocent party. You're actually guilty of what they're doing. You're just allowing it to happen. Um, so uh, the church. Well, I feel like a, kind of a almost a slightly deranged lunatic when I speak out against it. You know, even yeah. amongst people, they look at me like, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, uh-huh. and it's just like, you know, come on, guys, you know. Put this all together. You know why is this happening? You know, uh, they they just they just want to be compliant sheep. Yeah. Well, what does Scripture say that? Um, and I'm going to paraphrase that the things of God are uh, look like foolishness to those who are perishing. Uh, yeah, the message of the cross of the uh, is foolishness to those that are perishing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the, what's the cross about? It's about salvation and grace, and it's about yeah. forgiveness and love, you know. And and it's something that um, a lot in the church, as well as people outside the church, don't understand these days. You know, um, uh, I attended a church a long time ago to where um, <laughs> either they loved you or they hated you. And um, I would go in there and get, uh, you know, pats on the back, hello, how are you doing, and stuff from some people. And other people would leer at me, literally leer at me. And like, what what are you doing here? You're not part of us. You know, you're not welcome here. Well, that all the more makes me just want to stay and, and, you know, and be a burr underneath their saddle, you know. But um, so, you know, you in in any church, you've got you've got both factions and um, all you can do is stay there. Now, I. I remember when I moved back from North Carolina back in 2004, the summer of 2004, um, I started, um, I was looking for a church to go to, and I decided to go back to the one I was going to before I left. Never did like that church, but everything that I looked for, that was the best I could find in the area. And frankly, I got tired of driving 45 minutes to find a good church. Um so anyway, I, one day I, I'd, I'd about had it, and I said, I'm going to bail, Lord. I'm, I'm tired of this. You know, it's, oh, they brought in some young um, uh, minister to, to lead the, the music, the worship, and and uh, it was real loud, and all the older people that had been in the church for 30, 40, 50 years were going out into the foyer during worship, you know, and I'm like, this isn't right. You know, and then the message was kind of watered down. It was, uh, you know, the pastor's aspiration, I think, was to buy a Harley. That was more important to him than anything else. But um, so anyway, I said to the Lord, I says, you know, I can't do this, Lord. You always bring me to these churches that have problems. You know, I, I end up coming. I end up getting used to it, uh, finding people that I love there. And then all of a sudden stuff starts to happen. I said, I'm tired of it. I'm leaving. And I heard him tell me, he says, no, you're not leaving. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come on now. Please, please have mercy. You're a God of mercy. Um, and he said, no, you're going to come to church every Sunday. You're going to get here early and you're going to pray for this church. And you'll leave when I tell you you can leave. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, if you do this, I'm going to do it. So I would get there a half hour early and just start praying over the service. And you know, I didn't notice a change right away, but about 
about three months later, all of a sudden, I noticed that the music was kind of calming down. The older people were starting to come back in. Um, uh, the messages were getting a little better, you know, and and uh, I got to admit that I, you know, my 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 um, motives were, you know, I, if I obey, I'll get out of here. <laughs> you know, not that if I'm obeying because I want to, you know, be obedient, but I just. Anyway, you know, that's an admission that I'm making to you and the whole world. But um, anyway, things did turn around and it was kind of neat to see. And after a while, it wasn't a chore to go there anymore and do that. And right about the time that happens, the Lord goes, OK, I'm done. You know, everything's getting better. You know, you've done what you're supposed to do. You can go now. <laughs> um, and I ended up finding a really awesome church. But um, I think a lot of it has to do with lack of obedience. But. To be obedient, you have to know what the Lord requires, you know, and to know what the Lord requires, you have to get into Scripture, both Old and New Testament, too, by the way, um, to find out what he requires. My dad used to say that it's a wise man that learns from his own mistakes, but an even wiser man that learns from the mistakes of others. And basically, if you read the the, uh, the Old Covenant or what we call the Tanakh, um, you're re- basically reading uh, a myriad of stories of people that made mistakes and, and, and how you can learn from those mistakes. And uh, so anyway, I think that uh, the problem uh, with the church, aside from the 501c3 thing, of course, well, first mm-hmm. of all, the problem is that the church allows it, you know, but again, they don't know any different. Um, however, you know, after, if they listen to this show, especially after tonight and, and other nights when we've talked about this subject, um, you know, they're going to understand that the, the church is under bondage to itself. It's placed itself in bondage to the government, actually. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, so um, we need to uh, be in prayer for the church and, and for ourselves and, um, and to realize that uh, change is inward and it happens person by person. And then, um, people that have changed get together and they can affect even greater change, but, um, Lord willing. And, um, so I'm, I'm getting the, the, the sense that, you know, that, um, from my asking the question that, um, <coughs> pardon me, that, um, you know, that we all see that there's a problem, but we all see that there's a solution. Okay. Um, so, um, when, when, what was it? Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, you know, and he, he let us know, uh, about the puppets and the puppeteers, right? Brian and and Eric, he, he let us know who's really in charge, who's really behind all the mayhem and stuff like that. Um, so, um, now I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that both of you have done some kind of study into the um, the armor that we're told to shod or to put on every day. And uh, so, you know, what's I, I'll pose a question that armor. Do you think that's it's offensive or it's defensive? Um, I guess I would, it's a, I, you know. I would initially say it's 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 for for defense in my opinion, but um, what do you think, Brian? 
Um, I think it's for both. I think there's, uh, if it goes down the list, uh, helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword. So I think some is for protection, like the shield of faith. When you're going through trials, there's no reason why you should believe everything's going to be okay, but you just have a peace about whatever's going on, even though all hell's breaking out around you like, like it is now. And then, but the sword is a, is an offensive weapon. It's to, it's to cut and kill, kill. That's what it does. Right. And, and the helmet protects your head because you get a headshot, you're done. If you're looking right. at an actual battle, they, you know, uh, uh, David went for Goliath's head and he didn't go for his body, uh, cause he knew that that, that rock, whatever he used, the stone, his armor was too thick. So he had to go for the vulnerable and that's our head. So I, I think it's both. You know, um, I think when you know that you're saved and you know you're going to heaven and you don't doubt that and you're secure with your relationship to the Lord in your heart, you're not always wondering, you know, you're not always, you're not insecure in your relationship. It's any relationship, actually. You know, right. you don't want to be insecure. The jealousy comes in, insecurities, you know, suspicion. So if you in your the salvation helmet to me is if you know you're saved and you're secure in that, then you're confident in who you are as a warrior. You right. know, you know who the chief is. You know he's got your back. And then um, the shield of faith, obviously, you know, uh, we, if you go by army or by battles, it's to protect from incoming uh, right. obstacles, arrows or whatever's coming at you in those days. So, but the shield of, of, of faith is when the enemy starts lying to you about who you are or what you've done. Maybe you've done some things that are really shameful. And we're all, we're believers, but we're people. And right. we uh, overcome sin, but we live in a sinful world. So, and we're not sinners anymore. We're saints, but we still sin. That's another subject for another time. But if you believe that, um, if you have the shield of faith and you know that God's on your side, then when stuff comes your way, even though it hurts, you realize you're going to be okay. Right. You, you may not come out the way you want to come out of this, but you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the sword of the spirit is um, when the enemy starts coming at you, you come back with the word of God. Jesus, Jesus did it many times. You know, uh, in the wilderness, he did it several times. And so it's, it's a great analogy. It's a great picture of a spiritual warfare, Ephesians six. But I, uh, it's sad to say that a lot of that has been taken and taught in our churches in a different kind of way. Um, it's been used to promote a lot of stuff that shouldn't be promoted in the church. Um, Believers need to know that they're saved. They need to know the word of God. They need to know that God's got their back. Instead of, um, instead of, how do I put this? Uh, God's got your back and he wants you to be rich. God's got your back and he doesn't want you to have, a, a, you know, as a believer, your life should be bliss and you should be, you know, Moving ahead in life and God wants you to have good things and God does want us to have good things. I, I agree with that. But it, that, that prosperity teaching has really, I think, hurt a lot of people spiritually. Uh, and, and 
you know, we're talking about the church a lot tonight. We started talking about politics and our election, but this is a, uh, I think Eric brought this up too. It's just the tax exempt for people who give and all this. It's, we've gotten lazy. I guess, uh, speaking, generally speaking, the church has gotten laxed and it's depended on the government for so long, not even realizing that we depend on the government or we lean on them. And yeah, now, it's, it's subserver, subservient to the state now, basically. Exactly. You're right, Eric. And so now we're paying the piper, is the best term I can use, because the lockdown has actually revealed what's really going on in the church. Right. Yeah, they run around in fear. That's what totally. I see. I have so many. Yeah, you're right. I have Christian friends and elders in my church that are. They just totally, want to comply, comply, to, whatever they got to do. We'll do whatever they tell us to do. CDC, whatever. We'll just, we'll just do it. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. So the Ephesians six, the armor of God, is not being used. If 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 we were actually as a church as a whole using the armor in a spiritual way, in our own lives and in our church, uh, there wouldn't be a lockdown of churches. There, there would have been a, the church would have rose up like David. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is threatening the children of God of Israel? He's a teenage right. kid, and the, and the giant was 10 feet tall, weighed 500 pounds. Uh-huh. And he was not afraid of the giant, but we're afraid of our government. And on every level is taking advantage of us and the our fellow citizens and using fear-mongering to control us. And the last people on earth that should be afraid are believers. We should not be afraid. I mean, we could be a little insecure, obviously, a little fearful with things are going on. I don't like what's going on, but know in our heart, I'm going to be okay because God's on my side. And what right. they're doing is they're taunting the church of God. Goliath taunted Israel, Gavin Newsom, these different governors and these senators and all these people that we see every night on television are putting in our face, see what we're doing to you? Try to stop us. And exactly. there's been a few people that have. And and I hope people that hear this, us talking tonight, realize whatever they're feeling, we're going through the same thing with them, and they don't have to be afraid. And it exactly. says, fear, don't fear God, don't fear man who can kill the body. Fear God who can kill the body and the soul and send it to hell. Yep. I'm speaking to Christians now. Yep. And so, I, I, yeah, this is a great subject tonight. And a little side note, I, I know Trump's going to win. It's after Trump wins the next four years what's going to happen is what I'm thinking about. So, right. and um, I think the... The whole, the way Nancy Pelosi invoked the 25th Amendment, um, and now Trump's coming out with all this stuff about what the collusion, what happened four years ago. You know, you know, you wounded an animal and got him in a corner when they, when they start growling and screaming and coming at you aggressive. You know, um, they know they're back up against the corner, the Democrats and the liberals, and, uh, they're backed into a corner. And I know behind the scenes, they know Trump's probably going to win. And um, and I and you know what's sad to me uh, about this? I know I switched gears. Is there's a lot of good people out there that are liberals and Democrats that don't go along with this stuff. 
I have some liberal friends and Democrat friends out there in, in this world that are good people just trying to raise their families and work and make ends meet that are wondering what happened to their party. And right. they're as much afraid, uh, they're as afraid of, of what, the way we're like, oh man, if Trump doesn't get in there. They're worried about Biden if he gets in there. Yeah. yeah. But they feel, yeah. Pressure, they feel pressure to vote for him because all their friends are supposedly going to vote for them. So they're kind of in a conundrum. But inside, well, yeah. they're like, I mean, you got to be blind, deaf, and dumb not to see what would happen if Biden got in there. Well, you would have chaos and lawless and violence. I mean, that's what you would have. I mean, yeah. anybody would, yeah. watching what's been going on, you know, in these certain areas where, um, you know, one side, you know, politically controls everything, uh, it's they'll shut down your state, they'll, they'll shut your business down, your churches down. They don't care if you lose your livelihood, your businesses, you know, you can never open up again. They don't care. They just want to collapse it all, and they'll, they'll run over and destroy anybody's uh, right. personal life. They'll inflict violence on innocent people um, and not even hesitate. They will allow rioters and looters to ransack cities, um, start them on fire, do all this violence, hurt cops, you know, do all this stuff, and not bat an eye. And I just don't know how the average sane person can watch that and say, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to vote for those guys again come this election yeah. because I, because what they want to do now is now, now, you know, they've been doing it in the, uh, the major cities. Well, there, there's already some spillage into actually, you know, going into, you know, you know, su suburbs and stuff and start doing this, start taunting people yeah. in the suburbs and then, you know, you know, first, you know, protesting and then damaging their house and then breaking in and then hurting them. You're starting to see uh, uh, tidbits of that. Um, so it's got to stop somewhere. And right. um, I think the the Democratic Party has gone so far left that I think there is a lot of people, like you have said, Brian, that are there, there are good people um, that are Democrat currently that are looking at this and saying, you know, I, I don't want this for my family. And so, so I don't necessarily want to I, just pick on Democrats as people as voters, but just as the, the party that really has abandoned them and gone so far to the extreme that, um, you know, they don't, they don't want what's best for America anymore. Um, right. they, well, they, they have a completely, totally different vision, you know. Well, what you're describing, yeah. isn't that exactly what's going on in a church? You know, we don't want to make yeah. waves. We don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to. You know, the government tells us not to go in, so we're not going to go yeah. in. If we go in, we might well, get arrested. We might get. Yeah. If we get arrested, our boss might find out about it. And we might get fired. If we lose our job, we lose our house, we lose our yeah. cars, we lose our livelihood and everything else. There, there has to be a demarcation point where people say enough is enough. And I don't see that happening um, very much in the body of Christ. Anyway, yeah, well, what I, I what I see, Dave, is, you know, well, we have to, they'll say we'll have to, we have to obey our uh, government leaders that are elected over us. And I think they'll quote, you know, uh, what is it? Is it Romans, Dave, about obeying, um, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
that's what they'll use as the um, the excuse, you know. Um, oh, they already use that all the time anyway. Yeah, right. but that's right. kind of part of the plan anyway, um, yeah. to use that as leverage against um, churches in general to make them um, complicit and compliant and just doing everything that they're told. Um, right, right. And depending right. on where you are in the United States, the more draconian they are on the churches as far as what they can and cannot do. Some of them are still shut down and they can't open. I know in Chicago, um, you know, they don't have them open for as far as I know. In fact, I've even seen some videos of churches just going out in the street and start walking the streets, you know, you know, taking their guitar and singing and <laughs> and just <laughs> – uh, doing that instead, I mean, that's what they it's, it's reverted to because they, they're not allowed to. They try to open up the doors, and the cops come in, and they shut them down, you know. Um, what happened to, you know, separation of church and state? Why is the church subservient to the state, you know? And, or, or to the populace right. that, you know, that doesn't yeah. like the church. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like a catch-22, actually. But, you know... I've always been, and I, I'm the kind of person that the Lord has to teach the things the the hard way sometimes, and uh, I I have dubbed myself the 11:59 and and 59 second guy, because when I'm, you know, when when things are going rough, you know, whether it's financially or if it's you know if it's somebody's harassing me or something and. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and, um, and nothing, and it's like my prayers are hitting the ceiling and just falling right back to the floor, you know, and it, it's discouraging. It is, but I've learned over the years that God, I hope I've learned by now because maybe if I have, things will change. But, um, the answer usually never comes to 11:59 and 59 seconds. And, it's it's been hard learning that way. It really has, you know. It's um, it, it's been extremely difficult because you know you have to at a certain point, like at eleven thirty, let's say, you know, when things are going bad, you got to start thinking. Well, you know, I I got to make contingency plans just in case, you know. And no, no, I don't. That's the whole thing. Is that he's trying to teach me anyway? I don't know if anybody else is this way, but that. No, the contingency plans don't work. My my life has always been like that, guys. I've I've always mm-hmm. planned ahead, and you know, it's I used to be one of those Christians that, um, oh yeah, Lord, you know, I'll, I'm I'm going to pray for this, and then but in my heart I would give him a time limit, and if he didn't do anything by that certain time, then I'd step in and take over and take control, and boy, I'll tell you that is a hard model the break um and that's why the 115959 thing comes in you know because he's literally had to let me go all the way till the last second before i could score that last touchdown so to speak you know and win the game and uh man it's been it's been a a rough life because of that you know and i would exhort anybody um and and I think that's what having faith is all about. You know, you believe him right from the beginning that he's going to pull you out of a situation. But it is so tempting to see five or six different areas where you can go and and help to alleviate the situation. 
I think that's why a lot of people are in debt these days, actually, because it's so easy to, to nowadays for people to get credit cards, you know, yeah. uh, you know, why should I work really hard and pay off the debt when I can get a credit card and pay and have to pay on it for the next 40 or 45 years and pay them three times as much as the debt that I owe, you know, but it's, it seems to be easier. It's, it's, and I think we're all guilty of that, but, yeah. um, you know, it's it's just um, we it's just we have to learn how to have faith. Uh, I I would adjure anybody to to read what it was like to be a Christian back in the times of the early Rome or the early church during the Roman times and stuff like that, or even in Jerusalem that was even worse um, during the early church, and and just to see you know that when you have nothing you have to depend, you know. Um, it's you read books. Uh, there was a, a book called Like a Rushing Wind, I think was the name of it. It was written by a, a guy in Indonesia uh, who became a believer. And uh, there was a revival going on in Indonesia back in the early 60s, I think it was. And they had to believe God for, for things that were, were incredible. Uh, I remember one time they um, uh, they were being chased by some cannibals or something. Uh, this, well, you know, the sixties in Indonesia, but, um, people that were out to take their lives anyway. And it was rainy season and they, they got to the river and it was like, you know, the river was three times the normal size. And the Lord told them to walk on the water and walk across the river. And they were all looking at each other like, yeah, right. Uh huh. Like this is really going to happen. Well, one brave soul got out there and did it. And started walking, and he was actually walking above the the torrents of water that were going across in the river, and then the rest of them did it. Well, it led to a revival among the um, the people that were chasing him, and they all ended up getting saved. Um, but you know, it's 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 going to have to take. I think um, in our society, especially American society, it's going to have to take. To, we're going to have to get to the point where we have nothing, and. We can't call the doctor in order to to get uh, treatment. Uh, you know, it's it's literally going to take something akin to, um, you know, what, what the what the Bible describes as uh, not not taking the mark of the beast, where they have they can't shop, they can't do this, they can't do that, you know, and basically they're they're, they're the enemy's trying to starve them into submission, and. I hate to say it, but I think that that's that may be the road that uh, the Western Church is going to have to go down in order to to find out what true faith is really like, you know. And, um, and I'm not saying that we don't have faith to begin with, because we do. We all have a certain degree of faith that's measured out to us. Scriptures tells us that. And um, but still, it's it's when you have nothing that. Um, that, you, that we're going to start seeing people being raised from the dead and and limbs restored and everything else. And don't get me wrong, that's happened. You know, I know it's happened for real. And um, but it's it's going to be happening on a daily basis. You know, it's uh, it's it's going to be truly astounding when it does happen. But um, unfortunately, just like me being the eleven fifty eight fifty fifty eight or eleven fifty nine fifty nine guy, um, you know. It's going to take that for a lot of believers to finally realize that, uh, you know, he's the one that's in control. He controls time and space. He is the one that measured that actually choreograph 
I can't say that word, choreographed our life before time ever was, before there was ever a heaven, a plan for heaven, maybe, you know, um, before it was formed anyway. And uh, we got to realize that uh, we got to let him place the pieces in the puzzle. I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at jigsaw puzzles, and I always try to put the wrong piece in the wrong place. Um, and the piece always looks like it fits there, but, you know, it's just a little off and it doesn't fit there. So we're going to have to let him be the puzzle maker, let him be the painter, and um, let him do everything. And, boy, that's going to be a hard part for a lot of people to give up. It really is. I don't know about you guys, but um, it's been hard for me, and I, I know it's going to be hard for others. Anybody else have an experience like that? I still got you guys? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, gosh, you, you said a lot. I'm still just taking in what you said, Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, the church actually grows more when it's persecuted than when it's having good times. So, I mean, it's all through this Old Testament, too, with Israel. When always oh, they'd cry out to God, and he would save them, and then they'd have a time of uh, calmness and they go back into their idolatry. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was like a cycle, you know, it's, and it's, but it's like that in life here now, you know? So, yeah. And I think that's what's going on with the COVID and going on with the election. And, uh, and there's, and there's, there's other stuff going on too, that um, I've been reading today that, you know, I, I, I've learned over the years, you guys probably have too, we got the COVID going on. We have the riots. We have the election. And then I say to myself, what's really going on? Yeah. What's really, what's. Well, that's, that's the question I actually, or actually, that is a statement I have been making to people. I, you know, yeah. You know, if, if I say to them, if you're noticing people are not dying, um, at the rates that they said they were. And as this has gone on, we're getting better and better statistics as to, you know, what is actually going on um, in terms of uh, the falsifying of reported deaths. And when we get down to it, it's about a 0.04% death rate is what it is. Um, And yet um, people persist on um, the mask, which, you know, you and I know that um, a virus and its size from a micron standpoint is going to pass right through a, you know, cloth mask <laughs> that they tell you to mask up with. Um, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. And one of the things I think that they're covering up, I've been doing a little news research the last couple of days. I've been working a lot and I've been keeping up on the election and COVID, but there's other stuff going on. And I, I didn't really know this was happening. Maybe you guys did. But in Canada, um, uh, Trudeau, I think is his name, the prime minister. Yeah. He's allowing the Chai Coms or the Chinese army to come into Canada and take over the western part of the country. Oh, if you guys great. knew about this. Well, um, you know that uh, Trudeau, uh, he is actually uh, the I- illegitimate son of Fidel Castro. Yeah, he's the bastard child of him and uh, his mother. Yep. So I'm actually looking at the article right now. Um, 
And it's basically, he gave permission, basically, for the Chinese army to come into Canada. Unreal. And actually, he gave permission. It's not basically, he did. Yeah. And I'll just, I just read this a little bit here because it says it better than I can. The western portion of Canada is not just allowing the Chicom People's Liberation Army to be present in the British Columbia. The, the PLA is taking over. Laugh, and it, it goes in. Uh, eyewitness accounts. They came in to uh, uh, British Columbia and they took over the seaports. And they run the seaport. And all the people that worked all the people that worked on the docks, except a few, were all told to leave. The whole city is in fear. If you read this article, uh, maybe I'll send it to you, Dave and Eric. You can read it. Okay. But sure. basically, Trudeau took the the Canadian army and brought them all to the East Coast and allowed the Chicoms to come in, take over British Columbia slowly, and now even the police are being pulled away and it's an eerie feeling of the things I've read about some eyewitness accounts that uh, armored vehicles, large trucks, air, um, just heavy um, military equipment is being brought in now. And it's not just a few, it's thousands of Chinese troops are coming in. And as you read the article more and the guy that wrote, the guy that wrote this article and put these quotes down, he believes um, that in the next four years or so, and this and this all depends on Trump winning, and I imagine Trump's not going to allow anything to happen, but their plan is to bring the Chinese into our northern border that's very porous, so when the right time comes, they can invade our country. Ah. And they also... They're not just bringing them in. They're doing military exercises up in British Columbia, and some of them are amphibious, bringing ah. troops off the coast in, like, to invade. And the people that live in the city are scared, and some of them are leaving and heading to the east east, east coast of Canada. And um, it says Trudeau allowed these Chinese to build the following um, – the Canadian government signed a secret agreement with allowed the Chicoms to bring in their troops to protect Chinese property that Trudeau allowed the Chinese to build. The following paragraphs will describe what four different Canadians have described about what it's like to live around Vancouver. The homeless are isolated in, in a park. They are being separated from the general population. They are monitored and, and guarded. And one Canadian told me, who got, too who got too close, was told to vacate the area or be arrested, that the guards for the park are strange. The regular police are seen less and less. More frequently, the guards are Chinese who speak perfect English. So wow. this stuff's going on right under our noses, but you don't hear about it on the main news, not even Fox. And it's happening, what, uh, 15, how far is it from here? 1,500 miles to our north? It's happening. Yeah. A lot closer from and here. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's not that far. So they're setting up, and it goes on to read that China has got uh, Britain, it's got Australia, New Zealand, all the Western, 
all our Western allies, China's got their fingers in their economy, like Biden has his fingers in their economy. And so they basically run those countries because of a proxy of finances. Wow. They have billions of dollars. They bought out the politicians. They're, they're invested in these huge corporations. So they basically are starting to actually run these countries. And their goal is, is to isolate the United States politically. So when we get attacked, our allies won't come to our defense. Right. And so I believe after reading this today, I was like shocked. I think Trump is the only thing standing between total this happening. They're yeah. afraid of, they are afraid of him. And that's why I believe that I don't think it, it's, I've seen this on the news, but the more and more I think about it, I believe the Chinese are giving billions of millions of dollars to the Democratic Party to beat Trump behind the scenes. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I believe the Chinese are the ones pushing a lot of the stuff that's going on in our streets. And with the One World Order, George Soros, and they're all working together. And um, this is the I started thinking the other day, what's really going on? And I started looking things up that I there were little obscure articles. I thought, oh my gosh. How come this isn't being talked about? So uh, this is happening right now in, in nor just north of us um, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So and, the, and then it goes back to the church is asleep, but America's asleep. Uh, the, un, the, the part of America that maybe doesn't go to church, who doesn't know the Lord. They're trusting Trump. And I like the guy. I love the guy. I think he's great. But. We got to get back to fearing God and trusting God um, because Trump's eventually going to be gone. And America needs to wake up and start voting these Democrats out because there's still time to save our country. Yes. And, there is. Um, and I think one thing that should be done, and I don't know why it's not talked about and pushed, there should be term limits for senators and congressmen for eight years, like a president. Oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah. And if we did, if we did that, I mean, who are we talking about tonight? Nancy Pelosi, 42 years? Yeah. 42 years? Really? Anyway, I'm done. It's just, I, well, I started reading stuff. I started getting upset, not angry and fearful, but, oh, my gosh, why isn't the news talking about this? You know, what's interesting, Brian, is that now, now that I think about it, um, why is there civil unrest in Seattle and Portland, the two biggest cities on the west the north in the Pacific Northwest, you know, right. is that is that to set up something so that when these supposedly um, chai comms come down, that uh, they can take over without any problems? You know, they've already right. got the cities under control. Right. Well, that's why they want to defund the police. Yeah. The right. Police in British Columbia now are being moved out, and so the the Chinese armies is more and more taking over. I'll be darned. So, yeah, you have a communist Gestapo force yeah. uh, replace the police. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've heard uh, this too, but um, and this could figure into the whole Ezekiel 38, 39 thing, um, is that uh, there's actually a war going on in Armenia between them and Azerbaijan right now. Um, and you don't hear it in any of the papers. And the only reason I know about it is because I have some Armenian friends that live down in Sacramento. 
uh, you know, they're putting the word out, pray for Armenia, this is going on and everything else. And um, so, uh, you know, I was thinking, well, why, you know, why, why would it be kept secret, first of all? Well, you know, Armenia is kind of an insignificant country when you think about it, but, um, and I, I don't mean to demean the Armenian people, please don't make, don't think that, but, uh, in, in the scheme of world affairs, however, if you look at, um, and I did a lot of research into this last week, if you look at, uh, the Armenians and you look at, uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, there's a uh, uh thanks for sending that file. I got it, Brian. Um uh, I sent you something to yeah. Yeah. Um okay, go ahead. But um if you look at Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine, one of the countries that invades is called the House of Togarma. And traditionally Armenia has been the House of Togarma. And but what they what they don't tell you, and that you have to really do a lot of research in to find, is that Armenia right now is a little small country. Um, I, I would have ventured to say it's maybe the size of uh, Florida, maybe even smaller. And um, uh, but at one time, and matter of fact, Armenians bragged that they were the first country to call themselves a Christian nation, which is true. But um, wow, the um, the size of Armenia. I mean, it used to go from. Um, over where Paul comes from, from Tarsus, uh, which is in uh, Anatolia, where it's now Turkey, um, and then go all the way up to the, was it the Caspian Sea? I think it's above there, or is it the Black? I can't remember. Um, and then all the way over to the other sea, and I think that's the Caspian. And then all the way down into northern Iran, northern Iraq, almost all of Syria. And I'm thinking, okay, so... What is the one thing that's keeping the Turks from coming down into Israel? It's the Syrians. They don't like Assad, and Assad doesn't like them. So um, anyway, uh, she was telling me that uh, the uh, the Turks had actually hired some um, Syrian uh, rebels uh, to attack uh, this one little enclave in uh that's actually in Azerbaijan, but there's so many people that are Armenian there that they're they're claiming it for Armenia. It's kind of like mm-hmm. when that one little thing was above Germany before World War II. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so uh, the, the soldiers realized that you know this this fight is too big, and we're just going to lay down our arms and walk away. And that's what the Syrians did. So. Uh, I think that this is all something that is is being is going on right now and and the world's not being told about it and it's going on because they're trying to get Assad out of Syria. Have you noticed the last 30 or 40 years that they've tried to get all the autocrats out of the Muslim world? They got yep. rid of they got rid of um the guy in Libya, I can't remember his Qaddafi. name. Qaddafi. Right Qaddafi, thank you. Qaddafi, yeah. Uh yeah. they got they got rid of, well, Sadat. Yeah, they killed Sadat. Um, they got rid of, uh, well, just about everybody you could think of. The only ones that are left are Assad in Syria and the king of Jordan. And Jordan is really an insignificant player in all this. But um, yeah. in order in order for Turkey to come down, Syria either has to become like Turkey or it has to be eliminated. And I think it's going to be eliminated because we're told about Damascus being gone in a period of a day. Um, 
and and that would allow the Turks to come down unfettered in, into Israel. It would also allow the uh, the Persians a route because uh, there there is a um, a border between Turkey and uh, and Iran or Persia. Uh, if you want to get Iranians mad, call it Persia. <laughs> um, it's, but there's a border that they share, so the it's, instead of going all the way through Iraq and and uh, Jordan and stuff, uh, they can actually go up into Turkey and then come down from the north, like it says it's supposed to happen. But anyway, Armenia is is just a very small part of what it once was, and there are some people that speculate that um, the uh, uh, the part uh, what was that name I said before, the House of Togarma is um, actually uh, was the 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 progenitor of more like the uh, the Turks of so the Eastern Turks, not necessarily the Armenians. So um, that would you know that because I was wondering because I'm like the Armenians are such sweet people. I mean I've got a cousin that's half Armenian, you know, and and I've met lots of them, and and I've never met a sweeter group of people in my entire life. And I'm like, how can such a people, you know? join forces since they're a Christian nation with a bunch of Muslims and come down. Well, they don't have to because they're in their own little area up there and they might, you know, who knows, they might be eliminated too, but um, it's, it's definitely going to be the Turks aligned with the Persians and and a bunch of other factions up in that area. But um, uh, it just, it kind of brought me comfort because I was worried about, you know, my, my Armenian friends and, and their reputation and stuff like that. But now that I know that it probably isn't Armenia proper, it's an area that was once called Armenia, it would be, uh, I, I made a comparison the other day. It was kind of like um, the Algonquin uh, tribes or uh, the Iroquois. You know, uh, if if an if a ancient prophecy had said that the Iroquois were, was going to attack Texas, you know, well, the Iroquois nation doesn't exist anymore. It's New York and Ontario and stuff like that. So if that, that prophecy could be true, if the people that live in the area that once was the Iroquois nation decided to attack Texas. Okay, see where I'm going with this? Um, so just because the land was called that in, in Ezekiel's day doesn't mean that it's that is. Armenians that are in the house of Torgama, but all, but whoever is in that area at that time right now. So, um, anyway, that brought me a lot of comfort knowing that it probably wasn't going to be any relatives of the people that I know and care about a lot down in Sacramento. But, um, anyway, so there's another thing where, you know, like, just like the surprise that you just told us about, Brian, um, about the troops up in Canada, the Chinese troops. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is another thing that we're not being told about, and um, it's it's something that's very intrinsic to what's going on in the world and what will go on in the world. And um, so, I guess that it's sources like me and you and Eric and and OAN and other um, news sources are are going to be um, telling people about instead of them hearing it from um, who they should be hearing it from. Um, but that's that's a whole other animal that's uh, you know that's it belongs to another uh, subset of animals, so to speak, the mainstream press. I mean. So anyway, go ahead. <clears throat> Can I just interject something regarding uh, yeah, the I'm, Chinese? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Um, 
sorry, I got just my mic. Um, so, you know, obviously Mark Taylor has been pretty renowned and famous in regards to the prophetic things he said about Trump, but he's had a few other prophetic words, and I just wanted to note something. Sure. Um, uh-huh. He talked about another superpower wanting to rise up in, or emergency superpower rising up to conquer the world, and when you look at the description of it, it, it just it summarized the Chinese um, almost to, the, or the basically, the, sorry, not the Chinese people per se, but the China as a country and the, just the Chinese Communist Party in their um, wanting to take over the entire world, which was, you know, we know that Democrats are actually entrenched with them to, to try to bring that about. Um, but basically, this prophetic word kind of showed that um, that um, that plan is not going to come to fruition. It's going to fail in regards to you know the Chinese government, you know, uh, taking control of all these other nations. Like you know, we've you can see them, their hands in, you know, are are kind of in here. But somehow, this whole plan is going. Going to actually backfire and fail on them, um, and that they'll actually that the the Chinese Communist Party actually will actually fall, and uh, you will actually see China become a Christian nation. Well, it already is, you know, in terms of the people, but its government fall, and that it actually will become a actual Christian nation. Right. And that it actually will right. begin to actually support Israel. So. Well, that's pretty this, neat. That's just something I want to I, I want to know because, you know, the the most the ex- eschatology models that teach about you know this large military army in the end times, right? Um, Kings a lot of the, a lot of the theologians always summarize that that's going to be like a you know. A large, you know, Chinese, you know, army or something like that. But you know, like Jim Wilhelmson has had echo. I have good news for the Chinese. It's it has nothing to do with them at all. In fact, China will be become a complete Christian nation. It'll probably be a bigger Christian nation than the United States is at at some point here. But uh, it'll become a Christian nation nonetheless. So, just something I wanted to note um, when you know what we were talking about. So. Yeah, it's very noteworthy. It's um, I know that there, there are more uh, Christians in uh, China than there are people in the United States. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, they're going to surpass surprise us me. because they have persecution, and when you have persecution, the mm-hmm. the expanse of the gospel increases um, because hypocrites don't die for something that they don't believe in. Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny you, because yeah. You look at the United States and everybody scatters when we have COVID from churches. Yeah. I've got people that have, still haven't come back yet, but they're, they're, they're going on their daily, daily lives as everything is normal, but they don't come back to church. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's truly amazing. Um, because yeah, I've seen that too myself. It's, uh, there's this one gal that's, um, well, I know she's a communist. From what she's spoken of, and she proved that she's a um, sociopath too the other day. But um, uh, I don't know. We all have our favorite protagonist on Facebook, and um, this gal is like 
she she hits the right buttons every time. And um, the other day she was talking about the face mask. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah, well, I, I wear a face mask to protect myself from people like you. And I said, okay, so, you know, so you wear a face mask to save your own bacon, but you don't care about anybody else, so that makes you a sociopath. Um, and she didn't deny that fact, actually. And I, and I said, good luck wearing that mask that, um, you know, if, if you knew anything, uh, that uh, it only protects down to 200 microns. I said, but the, the virus is 0.02 microns in, in size. And it's just going to get through your mask, so no matter what way you look at it, you know. Um, and I said, and are you going to wear goggles? Because that's um, mucous membranes, too. You know, you're all around your eyes. Um, or, or it's a very easy way for anything to get in. That's why I always tell you, you know, wash your hands and don't rub your eyes, for goodness sakes, you know. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just, um, it's so ludicrous. Uh, matter of fact, um, the CDC came out today. I saw it on um, on Twitter and actually said now they're reversing their stance again and that masks aren't effective. And uh, so, you know, they've gone to wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Well, they're not effective, you know. Um, so it's. And even, you know, I talked with my doctor not too long ago, and he says, well, you know, we're still learning a lot about COVID. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're going to keep learning. I didn't tell him this. Um, but you're going to keep learning because there's no such thing. And, you know, trying to gain knowledge of, of something that really doesn't exist in the form that they're trying to present it to you is is, is fruitless. It's uh, like um, trying to grasp water with your hand. You know, it's it's not going to work. It's always going to pour out. And, and uh, anyway, so um, it's it's been real interesting trying to deal with people about this. It really has, you know, and it's, um, you know, even at my workplace, it changes, you know. Um, I had a laugh because, uh, you know, we have screen-ins, you know. We, we go in every morning, you know. Have you had a cough? Have you had a fever? You know, and stuff like that. And um, now the screenings are changing because the flu season's coming, and you know, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that say they have they have cough and fever and stuff like that, and and it, and I'm like, well, what difference does it make? Because it's the flu is just as deadly, if not more deadly, than COVID is. So are you going to allow people to come to work with fevers and to just mask up, um, you know, and maybe infect other people? And what if somebody has the beginning of COVID and you're going to let somebody with the flu come in and maybe they'll get two infections at the same time? You know, it's a, some of the thinking that or lack thereof that, that occurs in the upper echelons of companies and stuff like that just totally befuddles me. It really does. It's, well, they're uh, not, they're not thinking. They're just following orders. I don't know how many times I've talked to, um, tons of nurses and they say the same thing even in my church or even at the school that my kids go to um you know they pretty much say it's a scam to, well it's a scam in a sense i mean not, there's not that there isn't people getting covid there is right but it's um it's kind of a scam but we have to go along with it anyway <laughs> yeah 
And exactly. the question is, is, why do we have to? But no one can seem to give right. me that answer. They just have to obey it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's, I'm, uh, they're just following along, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know even, even now, in the month of September, or even towards the end of the month of September, where, you know, places that had no mask mandate have all of a sudden just mandated it out of the gate. They didn't do it at all this entire time, this entire year, up until within the last couple of weeks. Why are they all of a sudden getting nuts and draconian, you know, on this, in right. nine months into this? And, you know, I don't know, in my state, you know, we've had, you know, less than 300 people die, you know, from what has been reported as COVID deaths. Right. Um, but, you know, and we don't even have any... Um, mandated draconian measures coming down from the state um, in regards to a lot of this stuff. So a lot of us are just going about our daily lives normally, you know, uh-huh. there isn't the lockdowns and um, even a lot of the certain grocery stores and stuff in here have basically relaxed the, you know, the mask mandate. Um, but I don't know. It's just very strange stuff going on. That's true. And and I think the important thing is that if you and me and Brian and others like us um, all take the approach to where now I've, I've told people with masks, I say, I personally don't think they're, they're helpful, but if my wearing a mask makes you feel better, you know, I'm going to do it, you know? And yeah. And I'm all for people taking any precaution they want. If they want, they want to wear a mask. They certainly have the right to, but when they impose it upon me, um, that's where I have the problem. But right, right. But it just it just never ceases to to amaze me. Like I mentioned at work, you know, and it's like um, the three things that they would screen you out for is shortness of breath, um, a, a dry cough, and uh, fever above a hundred point. Five, I think, or something like that. Well, you know, we ask Brian about allergies up in up in Oregon. Oh. <laughs> it's really and, bad. The, the, when you enter Lynn County, there's a sign that says the grass seed capital of the world. And I'm like, yeah, I can believe that. Um, but anyway, so anybody that lives up here, I, I would say a, a majority of the people that I run into have asthma. Okay, so everybody's going to present at that screening station with a short, little bit of shortness of breath in one way or another. Yep. Okay. Um, you can you can get a fever for a variety of different reasons. It doesn't have to necessarily, even necessarily, you know, you could have an abscess tooth and have a fever. You know, it doesn't mean that you know you have something bad going on. You know, like like COVID or the flu or something like that. I mean, abscess tooth is pretty bad, but I'm just using that as an example. You know, and as for a cough, my goodness, you know, all you got to do is swallow your spit down the wrong pipe and you got a cough. Um, And that happens more often as you get older. I don't know if anybody else has experienced that, but it's, um, but, uh, you know, so and then and then the rules change. You know, again, because, you know, they'll, when you're at the screening station, they'll leave out the, um, 
the shortness of breath. Now that's not on the list anymore. So, um, and then you go in one week and then you're allowed to go in with a fever as long as it's less than a hundred degrees. Right. And that's one week, but then the next week, if you've had a fever within the last three days, you can't go into work. It's like, would you people just make up your minds for goodness sakes, you know, have one criteria and tell all the screeners about it so that they all know the same criteria. You know, it's just, right. it's, it's madness. It's ludicrous. It's like, and these are healthcare professionals. Here, here's, here's an example of what happened. Um, another thing that happened, um, for the longest time, as long as we stayed in a nurse's station or we're in a break room and away from the patients, we didn't have to wear a mask. Okay. We always wore one around our, you know, and just kept it down below on your chin or whatever, you know. And if you went out, you know, amongst the population, then you put it on. Um, and then one day, some doctor walks into a meeting and decides, I'm not wearing a mask. And so, um, instead of censuring the doctor, right, about not wearing a mask, you know, this is policy, you need to wear a mask when you're, you know, within six feet of people. What do they do? They make a new rule now where everybody has to wear a mask all the time, even in a nurse's station. And that if you want to take a break, you got to go in a room and be by yourself somewhere in order to take your mask off. So, remember... Remember when you were in school and some kid did something stupid and the teacher said, who did that? Nobody said anything. And then the teacher says, okay, because nobody said anything, you're all being punished. You know, yeah. this yep. is exactly what it reminds me of. It reminds me of little grade school antics that were, that were played. And it's like, for goodness sakes, can we all grow up and be adults here? You know, it's, we're, we're not, we're not sixth and seventh grade students here. We're all adults. You know, if a doctor decides he's not going to wear a mask, send him home. I don't care if he's got paper hanging on his wall saying that he went to school for six or seven or eight years. If he's not going to obey the rules like everybody else, send him home and don't punish everybody else for it. You know, it's it's just, oh, my goodness, it just drives you nuts. It really does. But then, you know, we got to get back to what we were talking about, you know, and and, and realize that the Lord has everything under control and that, um, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there's a reason why that edict got put in, into play aside from that doctor not doing that. I, I, I know that there was, um, okay, here, here's an example. One morning, not too long ago, I was heading to work and I decided, well, I'm going to go in late, later than usual. You know, I'll still get to work on time and everything, but, um, so I left an hour later than I usually leave. I got an hour drive. So um, anyway, I got as far as um, I think it was like uh, oh, the, the South Jefferson exit. Brian would know where I'm talking about, but on, on I-5. And and all of a sudden it said, you know, you're going to have to exit here. Uh, there's a wreck ahead and all the lanes are closed. You know, I found out that that wreck happened right about the time I would have been there. So. For whatever reason, well, I know whatever reason, it was the Lord, of course, but um, he had me, he knew that wreck was going to happen, and he had me go in late that day, and uh, because he knew if I would have been there, there's a good chance that I would have been involved in that, maybe seriously hurt or something, you know, 
yeah, it was an inconvenience to drive all the way around it and everything, but still it was, it was ordained that I leave late that day. I've, I've had it where, you know, I've, I've decided to go a different way to work. And because of that, you know, the way that I normally would have gone, there was a wreck there. Um, you know, so that, that just goes to show you that he's watching out for us. He knows what's best for us and, and that we need to, to trust more, you know, that, um, have you ever been behind a slow car and, and you wonder, gee, I wish this car, you know, and there's no way around. There's double yellow lines on the left and, and, uh, there's no way to go, you know, to make a right and go down another street or anything. And you're stuck behind this guy and he, and, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I turn into a different person when I drive. I, and a lot of people will attest to that being true. Um, and, and so, you know, you start getting aggravated. Oh, you know, and it, it's not that you're going to be late. It's just not, it's just that you're not going to be there when you wanted to be there, you know? So there's really no reason for, for, you know, getting any angst up. But, um, but anyway, you know, then you find out that, you know, that uh, you get to the next traffic light, let's say, and then you realize that some guy, you know, you're sitting there and some guy just runs right through the red light, you know, going, you know, um, perpendicular to you and you realize that you know had you been there and you made that right at that time you know that you probably would have gotten t-boned pretty bad too and and so i think we need to look at things in that perspective um that uh yeah things are going sour um you know you pick your situation uh things are going sour right now but there's a reason why things are going sour and um, you know, and it's, it's because he cares for us and it, it looks like an inconvenience. It looks like a, a problem at the time, but at, you know, when, when all is said and done and in retrospect, you look back at it, it's, it's, it was done for a reason. And, um, I don't know. I'm finished. <laughs> no, I think that's good. You're right, Dave. There's reasons for like, I, like I mentioned before, the coronavirus has really shown what's in the church. It's shown what's in our our society. It's bringing out stuff. It's actually shown what's in me, you know, some of the stressful things we have to go through. So um, God uses what the enemy meant for bad, actually turns around for good to, I guess, you know, get the things out of our life that need to be taken out and not and that we need to deal with that we keep putting off. Because we don't deal with it because we're so busy working, um, you know, making money, raising our families and the job and church. And we don't sit still long enough to really think about the things we need to do in our own life. You know, it's like, you know, in the air, you know, when you go flying and they do the little spiel about safety and how to put the, the oxygen mask on, they always tell you, put yours on first before you help somebody else. And I think a lot of times we forget to take care of ourselves and make sure we're in the right with the Lord and that we're that I mean he gave us there's a day of rest. He wants us to rest. You know, and I, I know people take that sometimes too far, but the whole principle of rest is is really good. And on that day Cease from your work. It even says, don't even think about work. And I have a hard time with that because I work a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know and, the feeling. 
and and it's like I'm thinking of work when I'm not working. Ah, oh, I, I got it. Takes you probably you guys probably know it. It takes a while to come off your day, you yep. know, and um, you go to bed thinking about what you're going to do the next day, and that's wearing on the body and the soul and the human sure. spirit. So there's a lot of people because of COVID are wore out emotionally and spiritually and 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 just wore out from all of this. And I think there's a throng of people in this country that is massive, that is sick and tired of what's going on on the news. Right. And I think I think they're biding their time until the election and they're going to be heard in the election loudly. Right. And right. then I think the reason they're, the Democrats are trying to put it like it's Trump supporters that are doing the, the white supremacist Trump supporters that are doing the rioting. Everybody knows who's doing the writing. And I think our side has been pretty restrained, generally speaking, about what's going on out there physically. Right. All the riots and the damage. So, but I got a feeling after the first of the year, if these riots continue, that good people are going to stand up and start defending themselves physically and say, you know what? I've had enough of this. Right. If they move enough. into the suburbs. Um... Yeah. That's, That's where you're going to see the away. problem. That's where, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, once yeah. once and you I, once you do that uh, and you threaten the livelihood of um, families and stuff like that, I think that's where the wake up call comes and people have had enough. So, yeah, and I think when they push back, when we when people start pushing back, I think it's going to stop pretty quick. Because, yep. you know, the best way to stop a bully is to stand up to him. That's yep. right. And, and these guys are just basically 20 to 25-year-old kids uh, in my yeah. eye. They live uh, in their that, parents' basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you stand up to them, they're going to back down. And, uh, and you know, the whole COVID thing, I was – you mentioned um, um, the WHO about the virus – and I have an article, I think I sent it to you already, Dave, but it's basically, it says that they're thinking the infection rate worldwide is around 10%, more right. than what, more. And basically what it comes down to, it says right here, um, if, it's, if it's 10%, the, goal, the global population is roughly 7.8 billion people. If 10% have been infected, that is 780 million cases. The right. Global death. The global death rate is attributed to uh, COVID is about one million sixty-one thousand five hundred and thirty-nine. Yep, that's correct. That, yeah, that's an infection rate of roughly zero point one zero point one four percent. Yep. And right. that's actually less. Um, it's right in line with the seasonal flu. So um, he goes on to talk about that. That number is probably a lot higher for infections that because they've been wrong so much. So basically, it's no worse than the flu. Actually, it's probably less deadly than the flu. Right. And so they came out about a month ago, the WHO, or was it the CDC, and said that the actual death rate from COVID in America was uh, 9%, I think. So that 200,000 cases is actually around 18 to 20,000 deaths. Yes, because they, yep, they misreported so, the actual the COVID deaths. Right. And I would encourage anybody who's going to listen to this uh, 
the show, look up these for yourself. And I would encourage anybody who's afraid of the virus, do some research, look it up what is really going on, not the news, not even Fox. Look it up yourself. You won't be afraid anymore. Right. Right. You know, I I, um, I have run into very few people that have gotten a full-blown case of COVID. You know, um, I can't think of any, actually, that had a full-blown case of it when they landed them in the hospital or anything. Some people have got had COVID-like symptoms and been sick, you know. But what are COVID-like symptoms? They're the same as the flu. You know, there's yeah. this, they're the same as um, a really bad cold, actually. Um, so where do you differentiate aside from taking a test or something? And, you know, I was, I was talking to my doctor a couple of weeks ago and, um, he says, well, he said there's about a, what is it? Um, he said the, the COVID testing is about 60 to 70%, um, um, correct. You know, he said, so there's a 30, 30% chance of that it's wrong. Um, and if you do the antibody test, it's only 80% correct. You know, it's, there's a 20% chance that the antibody test is wrong. Right. So it's like, okay, well, they can't even get that right yet. You know, so how, how are we supposed to, how do you put your trust? I keep hearing, oh, Trump doesn't trust the science. We need to trust the science. Well, the science doesn't work. The science right. is bovine scatology. You know, it's, 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 it's garbage. It doesn't work. And now even Fauci's coming out, you know, and saying that it's safer than, than uh, he previously had thought that the state should start opening up, you know, and wow. uh, did you, did you hear that uh, Biden wants to make uh, Andrew Cuomo attor- uh, attorney general if he gets elected? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my wow. goodness. We got, we got the whole rice dog. Um, in front of us wanting to get elected. It's like oh, that guy, goodness. he, uh, he, he should be, um, charged for crimes against humanity for sticking all those people in those nursing homes and infecting them with COVID and getting them sick. I know. I noticed that uh, the Jewish people in, uh, New York are rebelling. So yeah, that's good. Uh, they're burning their masks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that is good. Yeah. Um, I, I heard, Everybody is blaming the Jews in New York for the COVID virus spreading. And they're blaming them that they, yeah. they, they're doing. That figures. Yep. No well, they surprise also, there. They also blame them for every other disease because a lot of Jews don't do vaccinations. Yeah. You know? So, um, I, um, what was I going to tell you about? Um, oh, man, I can't remember what it was. There's something about Israel. Um, oh, well, it'll come back to me. All all the fires? Well, yeah, they've been having a lot of fires, but, um, uh, it had something to do about COVID or something like that. Now, Nate Yahoo supposedly had a case of COVID. He got better. Oh, you know what it was, was, um, I think it was that, uh, you know, Trump had that, that cocktail of, uh, that, uh, uh, he got the injection, the Redemzafir, I think it's called. And he had a few other drugs that they gave him and he got better right away. So now the, now they're coming out and saying, well, 
Yeah, it works for him, but it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. You know, so it's like it's like you can't win with these people. You no. know, um, what no. if it doesn't work for everybody? What, what, what if it works for 90 percent of people? I think that's that's a remarkable, uh, you know, a remarkable thing that yep. it works for 90 percent of people, you know, or 80 percent even, you know. And and, you know, we got to realize that we live in a this might sound a little cold hearted, but we, we live in a in a world that's fallen where people die every day from very from a variety of different things okay and if covid happens to be one of them then it's that's it you know it's um are we going to live in fear all of our lives am i going to stay in bed and not get out my car because i might get in a car wreck am i um you know am i going to not take a shower because i might slip in a bathtub and and knock my head and, and die that way you know, I notice I notice the people are, that are most scared are, are the ones that have no hope. Yeah, exactly. They don't know where they're going if they die. Yep. Right. Yep. And those are the ones that are the most fearful. I had that one protagonist I was telling you about. She was, you know, uh, calling uh, heaven uh, fantasy land and stuff like that. Of course, she's a communist, so she would say that, you know. And I, I just responded. I said, well, you know, at least I've got a hope. You know, it's that, and that's all that really matters is I have a hope that uh, if something happens that I go to a much better place. And if you don't want to believe in that, well, that's up to you, you know, but um, my argument get, to them is always don't don't worry about it then, you know. Yeah. If it's, if it's not real to you, that's fine. You know, don't worry yeah. about me. <laughs> that's right. Why, why, why is it a big deal that you got to convince me otherwise? Exactly. Exactly. They spend most of their lives trying to do that. You know, oh, heaven's not real. You know, God doesn't exist. Well, then why are you worried about something that doesn't exist? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But um, anyway, well, it's getting close to the uh, two-hour mark, guys, believe it or not. And uh, I know that me and Brian are still kind of, well, it's quarter to nine, so it's, what, quarter to 11 by you. Yep. Um, anyway, um, if, is there anybody, anything anybody else wants to say before we close out or? No, it sounds like we covered a lot tonight. Okay. Show. Well, what yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to try to get a hold of the chemtrail guy. I'm going to call him on the phone tomorrow and, uh, see if we can arrange for him next Monday. Um, cause I think that there's a lot of stuff that's going on that we need to hear about in that regard. And um, his name is Russ Tanner, by the way. I don't want to be, you know, just call him the chemtrail guy. But, um, yeah, he said, um, you know, for him me to call him. So I'm going to do that tomorrow and try to get him um, all scheduled for next week and try to find out what in, in uh, God's heaven is going on with this, this computer thing here. Um, but, uh, hey, if we have to, we'll just do what we did tonight. Um, I don't like doing that, but um, I'll try to get it resolved before way before that happens. So. Anyway, um, folks, uh, fellas, it's been uh, great uh, being with you here again tonight. Uh, audience, It's although we haven't been live, I know that uh, you'll really get something out of this show. So uh, in a sense, it's been great being with you tonight. And until we meet again, until the, the Lord uh, 
brings us back together again uh, next uh, Monday night. Uh, may everybody be blessed and receive all the things that uh, Yahweh has for them. Um, not necessarily what you want, but what what uh, what you need, because those are the things that are important anyway. But um, should he decide to give you what you want, um, then that's a great thing. But uh, the needs come first. So, guys, have a wonderful uh, week. I'll be talking to one or both of you way before the next show. And, uh, well, um, I guess we'll end up with a prayer. I think we've got 50. Uh, yeah, we got four minutes. So, um, Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the wisdom that you imparted upon us that we can impart to others. We thank you that you uh, you guided the course of this show tonight so that we could uh, we could get message out to people that needed to hear what we talked about tonight. We thank you that you're our hope, that you're our, our uh, eternal hope, and that you're our, the one that only the one and only God that can save us from ourselves and from things that are going to come against us, and that uh, you have written our history way before the beginning of the foundation of the world and that you are awesome and that you care for us so much and um, so much so that you sent your son to die for us for sins that um, a lot of people didn't even know about. Uh, Thank you for uh, your entire word. Thank you for your love and thank you for your grace for the most part, uh, for the large part, Father, and in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, or our Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. 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 See you guys okay. next week. Okay. God bless you guys. God bless. Okay. Bye-bye.